This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly sponsored by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. As a city supporter, we know you value delivery, and McDelivery is up there with the very best. You'll always be winning with McDelivery because just like Kevin De Bruyne, McDelivery puts your order right on a plate. So the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered as well. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for you tomorrow. Only via the app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. A match preview on a Wednesday. No, we've not gone mad, but such is the hectic schedule with transfer windows and Champions League draws to come this week. We're taking the time to preview Saturday's clash against Fulham today. Another comfortable win at the Etihad. Well, not if last season's game is anything to go by. It's Wednesday the 30th of August. I'm Amos Murphy. I'm Alex Brotherton. And I'm Oliver Lowe. And this is the City Report Podcast. Welcome back, listeners. As you can probably tell, the chess problems which impacted Monday's episode for me are still plaguing my vocal cords. So if you hear me splurging up, then a deepest apologies. I'll try and mute in between that. But um, welcome back, lads. Um, Oliver, you you going from one chair to the other, obviously hosting on yesterday's episode with another Ollie um, in the City Report podcast family but it, yeah it was a, it was a really good show so thank you very much for that i enjoyed it and hopefully the listeners did as well yeah thank you very much it was um it was nice to to play host for once um i got to do my best amos and, and adam impression uh, and, and hopefully <laughs> uh hopefully at least some listeners have come back today um and yeah excited to to preview the the match ahead this weekend and um yeah give give some thoughts yeah, it's, we're just seeing the listeners drop off like a pandemic has hit itself and they're just disappearing in the hundreds and hundreds. Um, right, OK, well, let's get into today's talking point, because like I said, we are going to speak about the Fulham game at the weekend for full clarity tomorrow. Um, this is when this 
this preview was scheduled for, but because City have not yet finished their transfer business and the deadline day is in a couple of days' time. We're waiting until tomorrow to review City's transfer window and any late deals that might happen. And then on Friday, we'll be reacting to Thursday's Champions League draw, Champions League group stage draw, that is, which takes place then. Um, But Alex, let's try if we can to sort of apply as much knowledge towards this Saturday's game. It's against Fulham. And I guess, Oliver Lowe, you've had your say on the Sheffield United game. I've had my say. Ollie McCall has had their say as well. So we'll we'll sort of wrap up the Sheffield United talk with your thoughts on what was a an interesting win. It, it's divided opinions, I have to say. What did you make of it? Hey, Spotifyers, click or tap the banner to listen to Rap Caviar. The freshest 50 hip-hop songs on the rawest playlist ever. Brought to you by our friends at Stars and the new season of Power Book 4, Force. Watch now, only on Stars and the Stars app. Every child deserves a chance to live their best life and celebrate every moment. You can help St. Jude Children's Research Hospital give kids with cancer that chance. When you support St. Jude through your employee giving program, you can help make cures possible for kids with cancer. Together, we can save more lives. Help the kids of St. Jude today one paycheck at a time by making a payroll deduction gift through your employee giving program. Tap or click the banner now to learn more. Yeah, um, I think it's one of those where since the game's happened, I've kind of seen the positives more. Uh, I think the first half was Mm. one of them where it was a, seemed a bit slow, a little bit uninspired from City. But in the moment, you often forget that that kind of thing, Like, and we, we should know by now, but it's it's often dictated by how the other team plays. Sheffield United weren't making it easy for City at all, not leaving much space. Um, and, you know, City just do what, you know, they did for a lot of last season. It's a lot of games aren't particularly exciting to watch. You know, we know by now that this team don't well Guardiola I know he wasn't there in person but you know he doesn't want them to play end-to-end a lot of the time it was just a case of um you know keep plugging away keep pulling uh the Sheffield United defense this way and that you know okay certain players like Jack Grealish were a bit blunt in the first half I thought but second half obviously he was better he had that moment where he puts obviously stand beats two men stands across up to Haaland and that's just the kind of moments that he needed to to finally find a way through um so I thought it was just a good um, disciplined performance in the end of, in terms of you know being patient, not trying to force um, force things when it's clearly not happening. Obviously, they were fortunate that, well, not fortunate, but they, they did well to bounce back from that Carl Walker mistake, which allowed um, Sheffield United to score. But that's just this team now. You know, a few years ago, probably, you know, City of old or say old, just not the last couple of years, might not have. Um, you know, bounce back from such a late um, equaliser, but this team did. They just went straight on the other end and and, uh, and created a great chance and Rodri put it away. So, um, yeah, overall good performance. Obviously, you'd like them to cut out the little mistakes, but I guess Walker doesn't do that kind of thing too often. Um, you know, mm. a few less sort of 30-yard shots from him would be good. But, um, yeah, <laughs> uh, overall a good afternoon, I think. Yeah, I've noticed he only scores them in increments of two years. I think Newcastle 2019, Sheffield United 2021, I think it was. So 
the year, 2023. He's only got a couple more months to uh, to add to his goals tally. But um, Oliver Lowe, I said that was the Chef United talk done. And just one last question I want to eke out because I don't think it's been mentioned in the sort of the palaver around Rodri and the performance and the mistake from Kyle Walker. But Alex sort of touched on it then. The the resilience and the mentality to come back that late on, what was it, 85 minutes, uh, Blades equalised? And then, granted, I, I feel like we're possibly shifting the mentality ourselves as football fans with the added time. And an 85th minute equaliser isn't as detrimental now as it was, well, like two months ago, uh, because you do get six, seven, eight minutes added time. But to still go on and win the game late on, having conceded and had, had such a, a, a knockback late on, does this happen a year ago, let's say, or, or is it this sort of this whole mentality shift from City going out and creating forty-five chances a game, scoring six, conceding a couple, but now knowing that they can rely on themselves? Granted, it wasn't as uh, clinical on Sunday as it usually has been, but with the treble winner, uh, tr- with the treble in the bag, and having obviously been Premier League winners for a couple of years, it, it feels like there's an added confidence, and that's bad news for the rest of Premier League and European football, I feel. Yeah, definitely. Um, we've said it a million times, but not not a good uh, not a good time period to be coming up against Manchester City, really. Um, mm. I, I kind of feel, and, and I touched on this a little bit yesterday, but it is the resilience of champions, and I, I almost kind of feel like it's it's hard to understand that and and really, I guess, see it in its full effect unless I guess your team is is you know a real um, you know champion um, yeah champ, champion squad. You look back at you know United in the two thousand and tens and and maybe even Liverpool a couple of years ago for that four or five year stretch. Um, I, I think it's just sort of this added quality of an, an era of confidence which. Maybe teams that don't have it, they sort of think it, it, it's uh, maybe mythical, but it really does exist to the extent of these players believe that they can win. And even in games where maybe they necessarily shouldn't and the performances don't um, back that, or at least they don't perform to their, their you know, um, you know, their best, they can still pump out results. Um, I touched on Arsenal, which will obviously lead quite nicely into Fulham and, and their result at the weekend. Mm. That kind of seems like a game whereby... City find a way to win. And in a way, there are a lot of similarities between our game against Sheffield United and Arsenal's game against Fulham in the, you know, in the sort of remit of expected to win, not necessarily dangerous opposition that we were particularly fearful going into the game. Both struggled in the first half, didn't necessarily play our first football and, and found ourselves in situations conceding late goals. The only difference, realistically, is that that we we then go on and find that extra bit of juice from somewhere to to win, and that really does feel. It might be a bit preemptive to say it three matches into the season, but the difference between a team that that wins championships and Premier Leagues and a team that comes mm. second. Yeah, uh, yeah, it had the sort of similar feel with with Liverpool going on to win against Newcastle, and obviously Liverpool have. Uh, some quite big gaps in their squad, but I, I did sit there thinking, "Oh dear me!" You know, this this side looks a lot hungrier, Liverpool that is, than they have done last season. So perhaps there may be a title challenger down the line for that same reason. But I, I do, I do get what you're saying. It, it almost goes back to what we were talking about this time last year when City were doing those magical comebacks. They were going two 0 down. I remember a game against Crystal Palace at home, and then uh, 
Uh, Newcastle as well, uh, away from home in that 3-3 draw where it was almost like City were giving teams a head start and then just sort of clawing the way back into it by whatever means. And, and I guess, like you say, Fergie's United, they had the, the Fergie time tag. Maybe City are in a similar sort of realm now where teams are just so frightened of giving away anything. It does lead to those mistakes, like in the corner, which allowed Kyle Walker to pick the ball up, cross it in. Rodri scores. Rest is history. Um, OK, then let's move on to Fulham, Alex, because like I said in the introduction, this this fixture itself caused City, well, a, a lot of problems. It was another late winner, an Erling Haaland penalty back in November, I want to say it was. Um, it was cold, anyway, uh, saying that. It doesn't really it doesn't really narrow it down at the moment. Could have been August, country. to be fair. Um, so it could, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it probably was. It probably was. Uh, no, but it was dark. That is a signifier. It was, it was, it was quite dark. Um, but obviously, at the weekend, we saw them come from behind late on with 10 men this time. To, to, to nick a point at Arsenal, they're a very intriguing team, I feel. They, they, they've lost Mitrovic, they've uh, managed to keep hold of Marco Silva on the manager. It, what, what sort of problems do you reckon they can present for City on Saturday's game? Three o'clock kickoff for UK listeners. Um, either time conversions yourself, everyone, because my maths isn't nearly as good enough. Yeah, I mean, I think with Marco Silva, you know, he's... Like he is a good manager. Um, I think that's the first place to start. Like they have got a good manager in there, and yes, they've lost their, you know, their star striker. Who you never knew what you were quite going to get from from Alexander Mitrovic, did you? It was either he's going to score some wonderful goals, or he's going to lose his head and get banned for for three games or whatever. Um, or both. Or both. Yeah, yeah. Game. As we saw at Old Trafford <laughs> last season. Um, yeah, but. You know, I think he's. They're clearly still a team that has confidence. Um, they've not been, you know, majorly knocked by losing such an important player for them. Um, whether you know mm. how our average is out over the season, who knows? But at this early stage, I think it's definitely a match that City should win. Um, they'll be confident. City are confident when whoever they're playing, you know. But like mm. they have gone to Arsenal and they have given it a go, and you know. How many times last season did we see Arsenal might fall behind? There was that run where they just kept having those comebacks, wasn't it? Like away at mm. Aston Villa, I think at home to Southampton, they came back from three-one down, didn't they? So you yeah. went Bournemouth as well. In yeah, so well. so when when Arsenal, you know, scored those quick-fire goals against Fulham to go two-one up, was kind of thinking, oh well, they've just that's just what Arsenal do. Like they have an off day, and then they just mm. once they get one, teams just crumble and they get another. And that's what Fulham did, but then they came back and equalised themselves. So I think that just says a lot also about Fulham, not necessarily just that Arsenal's you know mentality isn't there yet or anything like that. I think Fulham are a team that are never just going to sort of um, give it up. Obviously, that comes off the back of a 3-0 home loss to Brentford, which, you know, I guess there's no shame in losing to Brentford. You know, they're a good team. Of course, City plenty of problems over the last couple of years. Um, but yeah, I think it's... You know, it's it's one of those where if, if City, you know, it gets to the second half and they haven't got the breakthrough or it's just there's one goal in it, it's one of those where the longer it goes on, the more kind of precarious the position could get because I think Fulham are a team that just aren't going to sort of um, let let things sort of slide away kind of thing. So I think City will win. Um, there'll be, it'll be a great disappointment if, if they do drop points, but um, it's definitely not going to be, you know, a really straightforward one, I don't think. 
No, I, I completely agree. And, and obviously we caveat this all the time by City could score in the first five minutes and it could be 4-0 and nobody was sat here on the review show on Monday going, oh, wasn't that a mandatory win for City? Didn't we all see it coming? Blah, blah, blah. But I, I do feel as though so some teams come to the Etihad Stadium and you feel like it's almost a free, free points. I think if Sheffield United were coming to the Etihad this weekend, we'd be going, oh, it's a comfortable city win, pretty much guaranteed. Fulham are always one of those teams, I feel like, Oliver, who, like we saw at the weekend against Arsenal, that the, they're very resilient and it doesn't really match their off-field perception. You know, we've we've all seen the the pictures of the fans eating cheese boards in the in the terraces and stuff like this. And you know, they're a cushy club from West London, a, a you know, gorgeous part of the world. But when it comes to it on the pitch, especially under Marco Silva, and especially last season, he had some fantastic results, almost had a fantastic one at the Etihad, as we mentioned. They can cause a team problem. Obviously, take Mitrovic out of the equation. He, he bagged them. Let's see, what was it? Uh, 14 goals in 24 Premier League matches. So he's scoring at one a game, um, basically, in the league. That's a massive miss. They've replaced him with Jimenez. They're going for a couple other players as well. Like I said, was recording this before the deadline. So a lot can change. And, and we'll speak about that in part two for City as well. But it, it probably won't be as comfortable an afternoon as most were expecting. Q. 4-0 City, obviously. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, look, I'd, I'd like to start by saying um, I don't think I'll have many backers on this, but I personally would go for a cheese board at the Etihad. Um, I, I like a selection <laughs> of cheeses, so Any if preference? you want to adopt... <laughs> Uh, oh yeah, Brie. I mean, it's always Brie for me. Um, Brie is the one for me. Make that into a chant. Um, but yeah, um, I, I'd go for that. We could adopt that from from Fulham. But yeah, no, they definitely. They definitely are a rugged team. Um, as you say, it doesn't quite maybe f- fit their off-field reputation. My, my sort of hope for this game, um, not not that I should ever be counting on opposition not turning up, is is mainly just to do with the rest of their schedule. They've obviously just had Arsenal last weekend where they did put in a, a really resilient performance. Um, and obviously to, to pull any points from a big six team for Fulham is going to be a major plus as the season goes on. So... The fact that they did that last weekend um, maybe plays against us, maybe plays for us. The fact that they'll be tired off the back of that. They've got Spurs tonight in the um, in the in the Carabao Cup, our holy grail. Um, so obviously they've got a midweek game which we've not. And then even going on from City, I believe that they've got games against Luton Town and Crystal Palace, which are, are you know probably games that they'll be setting their sights on to win. So within that sort of slightly more jam-packed schedule than City, having a game midweek, obviously wanting to maybe conduct some transfer business before the end of the week window and, and slotting some new faces when they when they come up against us this weekend and then going on to the following weeks where they'll want to be almost coming into those matches as favourites. I, I am kind of hoping that that might play into City's favour. Um, I do think we'll win. Um, I personally would be surprised if it is a blowout. Again, Q was here on Monday talking about Erlen Haaland's first hat-trick of the season. But overall, I'd, I'd maybe expect quite a similar game to Sheffield, to be honest. Um, my only yeah. hope is that we'll have learnt from our mistakes last week and, and be more creative first half. Um, hopefully Phil Foden will return to the start in 11. Obviously, we know he was ill leading up to the, the game last week. Um, you know, if, if he sort of comes into the squad and, and can maybe add that little bit of extra creativity in the first half, hopefully get a goal or two just to sort of settle the nerves and then it should be, fingers crossed, comfortable from there. 
Yeah, it should be. It should be. I, I think this is a, this is an opponent which and City's start to season. Obviously, Newcastle game was difficult, um, and Burnley maybe wouldn't have picked that one out necessarily to start your season. But I don't think there can be many complaints with City's schedule. You, you look at the fact that what is it? United have played Spurs and they'll be playing Arsenal before the international break. Uh, Liverpool have had Chelsea away. They've had Newcastle away. They've got Aston Villa at home this week and City having Burnley, Newcastle, Sheffield United and now Fulham is probably a, a, a four matches that you would have taken um, at the start of the season, especially given the fact that City's pre-season was a little bit disjointed, having only finished competitive action in mid-June. OK, let's call that a day for part one. Join us after this quick advert break as we continue our look ahead at Saturday's game against Fulham. The NFL is here, and it's all about the sweet offers from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers can pocket $200 in bonus bets instantly when you bet just 5 bucks on any NFL game. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code FIELDGOAL to sign up. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. 21-plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. See dkng.co slash football for eligibility, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that you can stay close to your team even if you don't live in their town. Like, maybe you're a Raven who married a Seahawk who got a job in the land of the Falcons. With NFL Sunday Ticket, you can watch your team's out-of-market Sunday afternoon games no matter where you live because you shouldn't have to change teams even if you change towns. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. Welcome back to the City Report podcast. If you haven't already, there are already two episodes for you to go back and listen to this week on Monday. I was joined by Joe Ricci to discuss the Sheffield United victory. And yesterday, our very own Oliver Lowe was joined by Ollie McCall to continue that uh, review and also speak about City's competitors. Um, Alex, let's move on to City's point of view for this game, in particular the squad, in particular the manager, because um, we've we've sort of we've, we've enjoyed the the Mister Lilo or Senor Lilo's. Uh, sort of appearances on the touchline although the the appearances on the actual touchline were few and far between in the Sheffield United game and it's something I actually want to pick up on but do you feel like maybe City missed Guardiola a little bit in those moments where you the, the camera was panning to the sideline and and uh he was just sat down not really commanding anything not that you can really command anything against a team that sort of parts inside their own penalty area but it did feel as though there was a tiny little bit a tiny little thing missing and maybe Lilo's uh presence on the touchline didn't match that of Mr. Hosep himself yeah i was thinking about this cuz i think it was um i think it was uh, i think can't remember what who the broadcaster was. I was I was watching the the match on a perfectly legitimate um, source, but um, I think it was Stephen Warnock. Um, oh, uh, Jesus Christ, it's not perfectly legitimate. Then, um, is it? I'm actually what was watching from Miami, uh, so yeah, it was legitimate. Oh, nice. I'm not. Yeah. Um, anyway, um, I, have, I think the police are at my house. Um, uh, I think uh, I think it was Stephen Warnock was saying that. Um, yeah, so it was in the first half when City were kind of, you know, going through the motions a bit, not creating dead clear sort of chances. And it was all a bit kind of get near the box, Sheffield United, get it away, 
try and go again. City had 80-something percent possession but weren't creating massively clear chances. Haaland was getting kind of knocked over a lot in the box. And Stephen Warnock sort of saw that Wamalio wasn't really, you know, as you just said, wasn't up as much as Pep, wasn't, you know, on his haunches, sat on his uh, water cooler, gesticulating wildly. He was just sort of sat very reserved looking in, in, the, in the dugout. And he was kind of like, oh, they're missing Pep's sort of influence and, you know, there's not the urgency. And I don't know, but he wasn't saying any of that, you know, come full time when City have won 2-1 and scored two great goals. And I think it's very easy. I think for us, like as all football fans, we we like to make sort of draw simple conclusions that just kind of feel like they should have an impact. So, you know, football manager shouting at the team is is something that we're really used to. But... I'm not sure in that sense, like City were going about their business how they should have done. You know, that, I, in my opinion, anyway, that how they played the first half. Okay, you'd like certain players to be a bit sharper than they were. Um, but the way that they were doing it, you know, having Haaland sort of um, occupying the two centre backs, um, trying to sort of wear Sheffield United down gradually. I kind of thought that's the approach. That's the approach Guardiola would have wanted them to take. I mean, that was his approach. You know, he was in contact with with Wamba the whole game um, and in training in the week leading up to the game. So I'm not sure. If, obviously, if, they, if we have a match where a massive tactical tweak is needed mid-game, having Guardiola there on the touchline, seeing it firsthand is going to be a lot quicker and, you know, more efficient in making the change happen quickly than if he's got to ring up Wamba Leo and, you know, you know, when Malio's earphones stopped working, like it looked like it did at some point in the game. Um, <laughs> it's going to be a lot easier, but I don't know. I'm not convinced that in that first half it really made much of a difference. I don't know. Like, it's clearly he's a very different coach in how he operates, but the footballing ideas are the same. He's implementing Pep's ideas. I don't think we saw any massive tactical changes during that game that, you know, if Pep had been there in person, would have implemented quicker or in a different way. So I'm not sure how much him being there changes that much. Um, that said, we've, we've seen some slightly contradictory things from different players. You know, we've said, um, obviously the players say that, you know, they do miss Pep and they want him back. But at the same time, he's all, he's always been there because he's telling Leo what he wants to happen and that kind of thing. So it's it's kind of hard to tell really, but I think there is a bit of, people just seeing that and maybe City aren't at their absolute best and it's like, oh, Pep's not there. So it's because Pep's not there. That's why the performance is a little bit flat and I'm not convinced. Yeah, um, a, a non-omnipotent Pep Guardiola is quite a, a scary thought and all-seeing, all-conquering Guardiola just hovering in the ether. Um, I, I, get, I get exactly what you're saying. I wonder for me if it was, and as I'm saying it, it sounds ridiculous, but Oliver, almost like you know, in school when when you had a supply teacher in, and and the players would, they just you know, or, or sorry, the the pupils would just sort of try and bend the rules a little bit, not not necessarily being you know out of pocket, but I'm thinking of does that Kyle Walker mistake happen with Guardiola on the sideline? Probably, but I don't know. A couple of Grealish touches in the first half today, you know, it felt. It felt like they were lacking a leader. Um, maybe that was absolutely nothing to do with Guardiola's absence. But it, it, for me, anyway, Alex has, has probably disproved this quite fantastically. But it, it just felt like his his absence was noticeable somewhat. I I I personally think 
the, the main place where I saw it, and you're right, it did, it had a bit of a dad's away, let's sneak into the whiskey jar type vibe about <laughs> yeah. it. Because um, there, there were just one or two moments in the match. Um, like Carl Walker, um, he, he normally lines up a long range shot once every five to 10 <laughs> games. Most of the time, either hits the first defender or goes wildly over the top. And then mm. and then Pep gives him the talking to him and says, don't do that. that that's not how we play football. <laughs> and he doesn't do it for another three or four games and then tries it again. And then, like we said, once every two years it goes and then Pep kind of just you know, puts his head down and goes, oh, yeah, that's quite good to be fair. But he, mm. he, Kyle Walker <laughs> lined up about three of those long-range shots in that match. I think he took two on at the last second. He maybe remi- remembered that, uh, you know, Pep was was still watching and, and kind of gave up on it. But um, yeah, there was definitely a bit of that from Kyle Walker. Like you say, maybe the, maybe the error um, was down to, I, I guess, the lack of concentration due to the fact that he almost felt like the substitute teacher was there and it didn't really matter. Maybe we're micro-assessing that too much, but I do definitely feel like um, there, there were just little hints of loss of discipline. Um, and it, mm. it wasn't too costly, fortunately, but I, I do wonder whether that game was a bit more straightforward if Pep was there due to the fact that the players would have been more disciplined throughout. Yeah, it's certainly something that obviously our our sample size is is limited with it being just the one game and and moving on to Saturday, something we will maybe start to get a little bit more of an indication. I I have to say, I don't think it's coincidence Guardiola's missing for these two games. I know it was dubbed as emergency back surgery, but I've I've never had an emergency medical uh, incident and then flown to Barcelona. Uh, to get it sorted out, so it, it does feel like there was maybe a little bit of uh, uh, I mean, planning if it, behind if I could, this. If I could, I would. You know, if every <laughs> yeah. time I, like my yeah. ankle started to, I was like, "Oh, get me to Barcelona for a couple of weeks." <laughs> yeah. I know. And saying that, I'm going off the assumption that I'd be flying like budget budget airline Ryanair. Right He's probably got a cushy private jet, sort of. You know, he doesn't even have to move. He's got a bed that goes straight into it. Um, but yeah, that that that's probably one for the conspiracy theorists. But uh, Alex, into into the team selection. Obviously, I keep saying it. Uh, there is a couple of days of the transfer window still left to run. As we record, Mateus Nunes is still just about linked. Whether or not that one gets done, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, James McAtee, Cole Palmer, Tommy Doyle even are still at the club. Taylor Harwood Belly. So there's still lots to sort out in the in the few hours that remain of the window. But from the players we expect to be in the squad, and, and again, it's not a lot, um, how do you see City lining up is it is it copy and paste do you reckon from the last couple of games obviously there haven't been that many changes in the three league matches so far Phil Foden went out through illness you assume unless it's more serious than we first thought he'll be back and fit and an and automatic start I think for most people's money uh, Kovacic has started really well but he went off for Foden in the in the game at Bramall Lane so many changes or much of the same do you reckon I'd be a bit surprised if Foden doesn't start just because I think City mm. did they just looked much more dangerous I think um when he yeah. came on at Sheffield United, um, as as good as I think Kovacic played, and I think we've all spoken before about how well he seems to have just sort of sort of fitted into the team mm. already, and he's bringing something a bit different himself because he does look to play a bit more direct to Haaland, which is definitely going to suit City in some games, I think. Um, but I think I'd like to see Foden come back in. Um, I'd quite like mm. to see him in that 
in that central role. Um, I wonder if it may, might be perhaps a similar system to what we saw against Newcastle, where I think Foden was nominally a right winger, but every time City had the ball, they kind of tucked in into the right-sided attacking mid, yeah. which meant that Walker was basically City's right winger and right back, which you know a lot of people don't really like to see. You know, there are more talented, probably, attackers uh, that you could have at that stage of the pitch. Mm. But, you know, he has a decent cross on him most of the time. He has the ability to get up and down the flank, you know, with City lose the ball and at risk of getting countered. So, and, and we've seen that, you know, as, we, as I said before, that Fulham are going to pose a threat. They're not just going to be content with just defending their box the whole game. Um, so, I'm thinking maybe it might be similar to the Newcastle to the Newcastle setup with um, with Foden coming back in. Um, but yeah, it's um, as we know. Well, it's it's not even Pep Bingo, is it? Or is it? Is it Pep Bingo if Pep isn't there? Um, <laughs> it's Le- it's Leo Lotto. Leo Lotto. <laughs> um, but yeah, oh, that was terrible. Sorry, you got to leave that in. You got to leave so that proud in. Of it. I was so proud of it. Um, <laughs> let the listeners hear this terrible pun. Um, yeah, but yeah, in terms of, yeah. um, we haven't really seen. What with Kovacic coming in and John Stones being injured, we haven't really seen the centre back. Well, okay, actually, no, Akanji did against Newcastle, so I'm, I'm talking rubbish there. But uh, if Akanji's back, then I don't know if we'll see him come back in or mm. whether we'll see the defence stay the same as it was against uh, Sheffield United. Um, because obviously, you know, Gvardiol looked really good. Uh, Ake, you know, didn't put a foot wrong, really. Diaz, excellent as usual. So there's not really, unless Guardiola and Leo want to have a centre-back pushing into midfield um, to leave mm. Kovacic further forward, uh, then I imagine the defence might say, stay the same. But if they do want that, then Akanji's going to have to come in for someone. Yeah, yeah. Um, Leo Lotto, Leo Lucky Dip. Oh God, that sounds even worse. Uh, Oliver, <laughs> uh, I, I think a lot of the team selection is is looking at that uh, defensive part of the pitch, isn't it? Obviously, Gavardiol is, is looking imperious already in his City career. But at the same time, Nathan Ake just signed a contract extension and was... Well, for some people, player of the year last year, I, I think you would have to go far and you'd have to... It, I think most people would have said he's probably top three or top five. Essentially, he's a very good footballer and it would be a shame to see him drop out the team this early. So, you know, there are, there are plenty of questions around that defence and who fits into it. At the moment, it feels like City's position where they've got more bodies than anywhere else, particularly midfield. Yeah, I think, um, like you say, with the old with the old Lilo Lotto uh, TM, um, there is <laughs> yeah that's how it's now by the way everyone <laughs> need to get that trademarked get that on a t-shirt um, I, I, I think the defence the defence is the defence you don't really know what's going to happen I don't think it matters that much what does happen um, all we really do know is that if Ruben Diaz is fit he'll play centre-back he seems to be the only uh, immovable object within that sort of um, City defence in terms of he never falters from from there you know we see a Kanji play right wing back sometimes on odd occasions, left back. Same with Gavardiol, same with Ake. But um, Ruben Diaz is obviously the the fortress of that defence and sort of the spine of it, at least. So um, I, I expect it will be built around him. Um, Gavardiol, I'd expect to start. I, I, I sort of tend to agree with Alex in the sense that if it's not broke, don't fix it. Um, I don't know how serious Ake's, um, Akanji sorry's niggle was, um, but, you know, 
with the international break coming up, there's no no point really aggravating it. I'd just stick to to what we had. You know, Gavardiel's setting him really well. I think he's he's more natural on the ball than Ake, which is maybe why for the most part he played out on the left that that game against Sheffield, you know, to sort of push up with the ball. Uh, I don't know if it was mentioned on the podcast at like sort of any point this week, but there was one moment um against Sheffield um where the, the the ball just sort of went up in the air, came down and and wedged between two Sheffield United players. Gavardiel just like took this sort of almost like Cruyff like turn touch, but as the ball fell down, Shimmy turned and like was past two Sheffield United players. And I was just like, that is so filthy for a left back who's new to a team, new to a system, been there for three games perfectly weighted and then just tapped off to Jack Grealish. Um, and as much as I agree, Nathan Ake, probably one of the top three to five defenders in the world last season. Um, I don't think he, he maybe has that ability on the ball. So I can see why um, for, for the time being, Gavardio's working out on that left-hand side. Um, I, I think with the international break coming up, with the injuries we've got, the squad mostly picks itself. Rodri's going to start, Grealish, Haaland are going to start, Ruben Diaz, uh, Edison, you'd like to think. There's just a couple of players where it, it sort of turns into Tetris a little bit. You know, where do we fit them in? Uh, I think, you know, within the front uh, four or five, you know, that sort of attack, it just um, is a bit of a, a random choice between Alvarez, Foden and, and Bernardo as to who takes two out of the three slots and which one drops onto the bench. I think Kovacic and Rodri will will both continue to start and uh, I think the defence should stay the same and hopefully will stay the same. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm feeling confident. I think we've got enough to get it done. Yeah, you, you, I mean, it, it'd be weird if we were on here saying we've not got enough resources to get past Fulham at home. Um, it should really be a game that City win comfortably. Hence why they won't, because we've just said it. Although we said before they're going to win 4-0, so if we just like double jinxed it, are we going to end up with like a We're, a nil, we're right nil, either way, draw? though. We're just we're covering <laughs> yeah. our losses at this point, aren't they? We've said it's going to be a loss. We've said it's going to be 4-0. Let's say a 2-1 to finish off, and, and then you know we, can, we yeah. can call ourselves fantastic predictors either way. Hey, I'll take it. I'll do, I'll do that anyway. I don't need. Uh, I don't need the uh, the double chance to do that. Um, right, okay, everyone. Make sure you get your tickets in for Lilo Bingo. Um, I'll send you my bank details, and you can uh, possibly win the jackpot. Uh, Alex, thank you very much. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah, thanks for having me as always. Oliver, thank you very much. It's been plenty of fun. Thank you very much. Looking forward to getting my numbers in for the Lilo Lotto. (laughs) And listeners, thank you very much. Until next time, we'll see you later. Make sure you're geared up for Man City's end-of-season running with McDelivery. Great food delivered right to your door. By using McDelivery, you won't miss a moment of City's crucial running, and just like Kevin De Bruyne, they deliver your order exactly where you want it. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? At participating restaurants only, 18 and plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply, see mcdonalds.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. 
And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.